Welcome back, everyone, to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas and M, and your source for the latest news on the Mexico United and sports discussion from around the world of sports. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight here on YouTube. Joining me, we have Jacob Terrell and Babyface Earl Nieto. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry. and we, we are we're excited to have you guys here with us. It's been a fantastic weekend. We were all out at the lab, finally. We hope that some of you guys were as well. We've got a lot to get to tonight, so our discussion on New Mexico United is going to jump in here. We're going to get going, but burning question of the night, guys. Who you got in the NBA playoffs? You see, the NBA is rigged, so somehow LeBron James will be in there. Um... <laughs> oh, Earl with the takes. <laughs> I can't handle Earl takes sometimes. See, if the NBA is anything like what I follow in WWE... LeBron James has a new oh movie God. coming out called Space Jam 2. Oh, my God. So they have to get him all the big bucks. So somehow he'll make it in. And on the eastern side, I don't even know who's there. Either way, they're going to lose because it's LeBron and it's like a fairy tale story and some some. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, you know, LeBron still has to win this play in matches. So, uh, oh we'll, we'll talk about this here in our, in our second part of the show. But no, I agree. NBA is rigged. They want to see the Lakers. Oh, my gosh. The Celtics. They want to see teams like that in there. Um, you know, you're not, you're never going to see teams like the Hawks get into the NBA finals, unfortunately. But yeah, because they're not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but but now I'm I'm actually glad you brought up the Hawks because my boy Tony Snell is the first guy first NBA player in history to have a 50 50 100. I went to college with his mom so I was going to say for those that don't know what that means uh given a, a brief explanation of what, of what that is. So 50 50 100 Can you Earl? Yes, can you? Yes, yes, I can. Okay. Okay. Um, I sure. So 50-50-100 is 50% of th- uh, three-pointers, 50% of the field goals, and 100% of their free throws made. There you go. Tony Snell, of course, uh, a Lobo here. Go ahead. You're good. I, I was about to say that, but you're good. Oh, all right. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, Tony Snell, of course, featured here on the Lobos for a number of years. And if I remember correctly, he was drafted by the Bulls and yes, he was. had a, had a few good seasons over there. And I believe he had an ACL injury or something, correct? I could be okay. I want to make sure I have my my, my Yeah, favorite. he had a uh he had a not a ruptured or a torn ACL, he had a like stretched stretched ligament or something crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember exactly what it was. I know he had a couple of good seasons out in Chicago, and then he kind of fell off the map a little bit and uh, kind of bounced around. But yeah, he's found that seems to have found a new home with the Hawks. So congrats to Tony Snell. Uh, I know that's big news here. It's always good to see a Lobo go up to the professional ranks and, and do pretty well. And uh, Earl, you said something a minute ago about the WWE, and I want to ask you real quick. I kind of brought up something to, to me. There was an interview that I think it was Mark Henry did. I don't know if you saw this. Okay. Maybe. Did you hear about this? Do you know what's going on? Mm-mm. What I thought you were going to bring up was the stupid zombies that appeared on WWE Backlash on Sunday. I haven't watched that yet. Okay. Well, if you do, fast forward through that part. Fast forward. 
Um, the Miz is injured now. He did have he tore his ACL, so he's out for six to nine months. Um, Jacob is missing a very very good conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfect right there. <laughs> Anyways, by all means, bring up that Mark Henry interview because I did not see it. Yeah. So, so we we're talking about you know in the NBA being rigged, and you know you brought up the you mentioned WWE a little bit earlier. Mark Henry did an interview where he said that Vince McMahon basically threatened to fire anybody that wasn't on board with the Montreal screw job. And so I kind of want to get your take on that. And one person came out and said, you know, Mick Foley said he actually walked away and skipped an ep- a taping before he realized in his contract that he that if, if he was terminated for breach of contract he wouldn't be able to compete anywhere else for five years so do you think that this was a legit like strong arm move from vince mcmahon or was he really just kind of was do you think it might have been an empty threat it was a legitimate strong arm move because vince mcmahon is like top five most powerful billionaires in the world. Um, he legitimately hated Bret Hart because Bret Hart was going to jump ship and take the title with him to to WCW, Ted Turner's WCW, um, wrestling. Um, so yeah, I I feel like that was a legit strong arm move by Vince McMahon. Um, I do feel like that was the old Vince McMahon and the kind of dickish, douches, douche-ish Vince McMahon. Now that Vince McMahon is older and realizes that fans are what he needs, um, Jacob's wondering how long this conversation is going to go on. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so now that Vince McMahon's older and less of a jackass, he is... A better person, I think. All right. So, yeah, I just want to get your take on that. You know, since we're talking about stuff being rigged and it just brought up that I saw that article about the Mark Henry thing. So I wanted to ask you about it, Um, get your get your opinion on that. But uh, if Jacob's ready to join the conversation now, uh, we can uh, talk some New Mexico United. Uh, I think he is. I think he heard us. Are we dead? So, so like I was saying, <laughs> yeah, though, like I was, like I was saying, though, the Miz did tear his ACL. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, folks! If you're not if you're not here on YouTube, you're missing out. Uh, yeah, Jacob is uh, Jacob, as we know, does not necessarily enjoy the wrestling conversation. So uh, we're just kind of messing with him a little bit here. And uh, but no, we, we're here. That's we're here talking Mexico United. Um. If you didn't catch our instant reaction uh, that went up Saturday night after the match, please go check that out. The three of us were actually in person together recording live for the first time ever in the history of the podcast. And uh, we sat outside of Isotopes Park. We gave our, 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 basically our instant, again, like I said, our instant reactions to the match and what we saw on the pitch, what we experienced in the stadium. And if you haven't checked that out, please go do so. It's in your podcast feeds. And uh, it's something we're going to try to do for at least every home match. Uh, that way we can get together and do something, you know, in person uh, from here out on out to the end of the season. But to get right into it, guys, um, New Mexico United 
took on Austin Bold FC Saturday night at the lab and fantastic match. New Mexico United, of course, won three, one, and hopefully you guys have your YouTube feeds up now so you can see, uh, what we've got going on behind us here. Um, it was, uh, it was so much fun to be out at the lab. Um, we, we talked a little bit on the instant reaction as to who our man of the match was. Do you guys stand by that? And have you had a chance to rewatch it? Has anything changed in your opinion there? Nope. Um, I still feel like Harry Schwartz was my man of the match. Um, I do think that's what I said on Saturday night. I don't remember. That was a very, very long day. And, um, I do have to take a step back though on our group on our group text that we had when Jacob asked me how I was feeling and I said I was feeling pretty chingone. Uh, as soon as I stopped and the adrenaline wore off and I came and I sat in my little room here, it hit me. Did you cry? No, I just sat here and just like moped around like, God, my freaking legs are on fire. My back's going to fall off. <laughs> I felt like I felt pretty bad that day. Um, but anyways, back to back to the game. Uh, yes, Harry Schwartz is still my man of the match. And if he keeps it up, he will be my choice for MVP. I was I was dead Sunday uh, for the most part. I was. I, I think it was just a combination of literally everything related to Saturday. So driving for five hours, setting up the field, the emotion from the first match in 575 days, the emotion from a win, uh, just the adrenaline from everything. You know, when you come off that high and you got everything going on, um, it just completely... You just get worn out so fast. So, so yeah, I, Sunday I was I was feeling a little bad. For for anyone that hasn't volunteered to help with that setup and help with the with the preparation for match day, what goes into that? You know, is that something that you would do? You that you feel like you could do on a regular basis, or you know, is there a lot that goes on behind the scenes that most people just don't know about? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It is an insane amount of work. Like they had done so much already before we got there. And then like, so when we got there, it was a baseball pitch with sod in the infield and on the pitcher's bound. And that's about it. So there were no goals up. There were no advertisement boards. There were no benches. There were no tarp by the benches. It was just baseball field with grass in the infield. And then, uh, then behind the scenes, like in the offices and stuff like that, we don't know what's going on. But as far as what's on the pitch, uh, it was there was a handful of us out there, and it took us how long there? Four hours, Earl? Two thirty to about six thirty, basically. Yeah, because we um, started at two about two fifteen or two thirty. We started, and then we didn't finish till six yeah, fifteen. Yeah, and and that was like nonstop busting our butts, at least me and Earl for, for that whole time, essentially stopped to take a drink every once in a while, rode around in a cart a little bit, but, um, for the most part, man, and I give a huge shout out to, to Clint Gray and, um, Katie Sobel, who just got, uh, 
uh, an award for being one of the 25 under 25 in sports, which was pretty cool. And, um, and then there was another girl there that works for United that I didn't catch her name. So I apologize. Um, Brandon Morris was down there helping us out. Um, and they all were, Clint was beat when we got there. He said he'd been going since eight and, and was already exhausted. So it was a long, long day. And then we didn't shut, we didn't tear down. And those, those people that work for United had to tear down too. So, so it's a, it's a long, long day for them. And, and it kind of sucks to watch them put all this work into it and to know that they put all this effort into United 365 days a year. And when we finally get a home match for the first time in 575 days, they didn't, they couldn't stop to enjoy it very much. Clint, maybe he was up in the suites, uh, working the crowd up there, but me and Earl saw Katie, I don't know, five or six more times running around down there throughout the match. So, so yeah, it's a ton of work there and I give them mad credit for, for everything that they, they have to do on match days to get everything ready from the pitch up through everything, the broadcast, you know, we got Tyler, watching us here who did a fantastic job with the broadcast. And, and I don't know if you've ever tried to call a game. It's not easy. No matter what I've tried, I tried to do it when I was little and, and Tyler talked about how he's been doing it for a long time. Started off in Santa Rosa, just North of me here calling, calling games for them on the radio. So he's, he's put in the work and it's paying off for him. And, and it's just, it's good to see everybody at New Mexico United just thriving in everything that they do. And, and I, my hats are off to them for how much work it, it takes to, to do this thing here. Yeah, definitely shout out to Tyler and JJ Buck who were on the call Saturday night. We've talked before about the quality of some of the broadcasts that we've seen across the USL. We know that the, I'm not the color commentator, I guess from the El Paso match. Uh, she seemed very robotic. I know she was she was new for that for their broadcast team this year, and then the the match prior to that we watched, and just the the microphone quality, audio quality was just absolutely terrible during that match. And I think that goes to show that there's a, a giant difference in the level of quality control that goes into say a New Mexico United production compared to some of the others that we've seen. El Paso. And, <clears throat> yeah, El Paso for one. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, again, that's all credit to the guys like, you know, to Tyler and JJ and and uh and Andy and Adam and you know everyone behind the scenes that goes to work on that. And you know, the guys at 1017 the team who helped put all that together. I th- I don't think without them and uh with also um actually, I'm blanking on the name of the production company that came out and has been working with the club. Um Clearview? Not Clearview. The ones that did the preseason match. Windfire? Wind, Windfire Productions? Something like that, yeah. Is that it? Yeah. I'm I sure. Hope, Ty- I hope I got that right. Yeah. Tyler will tell me in just a second, I'm sure. Um, you know, it just goes to show the quality of the of the product that they're able to put out there. And that's just that's just all part of the match experience, especially if you can't be at the lab. And you can see the highlights behind us here. I mean, the club sold over 8,600 seats for this match. And even with the spacing it's hard to pick out empty seats in here. And Earl, I'm going to direct this question to you being out there for the first time. And you know, you, it's been more than 575 days for you um, since you've been out at the lab. And, 
you know, what was the what was the match day experience like? I know we talked about it a little bit, you know, Saturday night after the match, but I mean, really, like, give everyone listening a, an idea of what it feels like, what it felt like to be there. Was it an atmosphere similar to opening day of 2019? So yeah, so I said it <clears throat> on our extra time take um, right after the match. It it felt like opening game, but better because I knew what to expect. So I knew what the club was. I knew what the fans were. I knew about the supporter section. Opening game, I was literally a virgin to soccer. I showed up because it was a New Mexico professional team. And I said, hell. Let's go support the New Mexico team. So I was literally, so opening day, March 9th, 2019, I was a virgin to soccer. So fast forwarding to this past Saturday, I knew what to expect. I knew what the crowd was, but I really didn't know because it was 575 days. Um, so the first time I heard the crowd yell when the club came out for warmups, I got some pretty decent sized goosebumps. And then when the national anthem played more screaming, more goosebumps. And then when we score our first goal, when Sergio scored the first goal, that was to this day, I still get goosebumps. It was the most incredible moment that I had ever seen because of everything that had happened in the past 575 days or whatever the heck how long it's been with all this COVID nonsense and stuff um and just a year that we had had before to now it was incredible so as a fan if that was my first experience in soccer I wouldn't trade it for the world yeah I don't think anyone would you know even even for me sitting up in the box, you know, it was, you know, I was up there with David Carl and a couple other folks from, from the club. And, you know, there is a guy, some folks from KOAT and like Ken Sickinger and a couple others were up there. And at, when I first got there, like the, all the windows were shut and you guys have been up there, you know, those of you that have been up there know those windows are shut. But once those windows open up and make, there's such a different sound that happens. And, I know that when we got our information from David ahead of the mar ahead of the match, it was like, it was saying, you can't do this. You can't do that. This is what you can't do. Like, no cheering. I'm like, and it's so hard as a fan. You want to be up there cheering. You want to be supporting the club at, at everything that happens, you know, but you have to still try to remain impartial. And, you know, I'll be completely honest. Like it's hard. It's hard to do that at times, you know, because you want to get, you get so invested in it as a fan and as a, as someone who covers the club, I mean, we still try to be critical of, of things and, and, um, you know, when, when they come up, but at the same time, we're, we're still supporters of this club. And there was just a, a feeling sitting up there, listening to the crowd as everyone filled in, as the curse marched in. And then, you know, when the uh, 30 minutes prior, you, know, you, had, you had seven nation army, you know, going off. And then you had the walkout music. You had the players come out for warmups and it just, it felt like that first day. It felt like that first home match. And 
yeah, it was an it was an emotional moment. You know, we talked about leading up to it. You know, there are going to be all there's going to be this series of moments leading up to kickoff and throughout the match, and it was like it was it was so hard to not like jump out of your seat when Sergio scored that goal, as you know, as we can see, you know, the highlights going on behind us. But yeah, I, it's a tremendous feeling to be out there. And if you haven't experienced being at the lab, get out there, like get out and do this and try to find try to get you some tickets and uh, you know see what it's all about and the players talked about it a lot in the in the post match that it makes such a huge difference to them playing in front of the fans and you know we asked Troy you know how do you prepare the guys after playing in empty stadiums for an entire year and he said there's just no way to do it there's no way to prepare people so you know it, it's it's one it's it's I think this is one of the best sports atmospheres I've ever seen I've ever been a part of and I cannot wait to see what happens once we get back up to the ability to get a hundred percent capacity. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be crazy. Um, there was so much that you, that you mentioned there that, that I could touch on, but I'll, I'll start off with Tyler's comment in the chat. Uh, he works 45 hours per week in the front office and it's incredibly hard to stay neutral on the broadcast. So he said he feels our pain, um, which to that, I, I, I just, that just made me, give Tyler so much more credit than, than I already do, which I feel like I, I brag about him all the time, but um, for him to say that, and then for me to watch our broadcasts compared to other teams broadcasts and see just how neutral he is. It's like these guys, the the guys for these other teams are just beyond Bush league. Whatever's lower than Bush league is, is where they're at because, or Tyler's just that much better than anybody else out there in the game, which however you want to put it, he just, uh, he does a great job at, at staying neutral and not being that Homer broadcast that we, especially last year, watching 14 of the 16 matches with, with, uh, broadcasters from the other team and having to go through just complete nonsense, uh, <laughs> when they were up there. I, I remember Salih's goal against Colorado Springs. They were like, nonchalant about it and it was like one of the craziest goals i've ever seen in my life so um he's just he's great the the team is great and and i will i will say that uh we understand that you're not supposed to cheer as media um but me and rr are lucky that the broadcast didn't pan just a little bit to the right after sergio's goal because they would have got me and earl hugging uh, in celebration. So uh, we didn't celebrate nearly as much for the other two. Well, actually Earl wasn't even there for the other two. He was wandering around, um, talking to somebody else. So we couldn't celebrate those two, but, but yeah, that Sergio goal, it was definitely, it was impossible not to celebrate it at least a little bit. So I understand the whole, um, being professional, um, Earl thinks that everybody that's in the press box that doesn't cheer has no soul, but uh, <laughs> he he kind of has a point there to an extent. But this is very true. You know, I think if the USL Championship had had people up in the box with us, you know, there towards the end of the 2019 season, like when we're when we're playing Las Vegas, trying to get you know qualify, you know, into the playoff spots, you know, we had you know the other games up on laptops and you know trying to make sure you know all the playoff scenarios that could have played out. You know, where was United going to finish up and I think, you know, we would have gotten in a lot of trouble with the USL championship at that point, but, and, uh, you know, and yeah, you know, Tyler 
tremendous voice for the club. Love hearing him on the call. And I think it's going to be great having him and having the club back at home and listening to the call with, with, with Tyler and whoever's with him each and every week. And I, for one, I'm looking forward to that. You know, unfortunately we don't get to hear Tyler live. You know, we'll have to go back unless we have it up on our laptop or something while we're there. But I always go back and I always watch the match at least the second time. And, and, uh, you know, Jacob, you mentioned that the Sergio goal. So let's, let's get into it. Let's break this down to me, the Sergio goal. And it's going to come back up here on the highlight reel in just, in just a minute. And this highlight package here doesn't do it justice. If you, I don't know, and I don't know if you guys have gone back and looked at it since, but if you watch that, the buildup in that play, it starts with a free kick on the left hand, left on the on what would have been our right side of the pitch at that time, coming towards the south end of the stadium. Uh, I, th- I want to say it was Harry that took the free kick. I, I don't. The, the highlight package doesn't doesn't say that doesn't show that. Um, but it, he, the free kick is delivered across the pitch to Josh Suggs. Josh plays it plays it back to Kalen, who plays it up to Juan Pablo to Tenny to to Sergio who plays it out wide to, to Harry and then the cross comes back into Sergio. So you've got six, maybe seven guys that touched the ball in that string of possession where no one even contested the ball from, from Austin. And here you can see right here, here's the cross into the box from Harry and just tremendous amount of team play team and movement on that play to make it happen. I just didn't see at that point. I didn't see Austin doing anything that could stop us. I mean, do you guys disagree with me here or? No, I think you, I think you kind of nailed it there. It was just, um, it's one of those goals that, that are just the ultimate team goal. Um, and, and when you look at the preseason, you know, we, we, we talked about having a very good offensive preseason, and this is one of those goals that I, we kind of we didn't see necessarily something exactly like it, but it was goals like this that are repeatable, and that can keep coming in. Now that cross is like inch perfect uh, to get over Devin and his defenders and find Rivas just sitting there waiting for it. But you know stuff like that, that ball movement and and just the team working together as one unit are are what's going to make it make the offense really spark and really be good all season. So, and and we saw a a similar, similar goal for the third one. Um, It wasn't as many people that touched it, but that's because it didn't have to. So it was, you know, I think Brown, Brown won the ball over to Suggs, Suggs over the top to Tenari, Tenari with the cross to a wide open Mondo. Um, Just that those quick passes, to people that are in the right spots and they do the right thing with it. It's, it's really, really fun to watch. And, and I hope that we continue to see more of that as the, as the season goes along and our offense can kind of gel and, and get better and better and better. One thing I noticed on that first goal too, and it's probably not going to get a whole lot of attention outside of, you know, maybe us and a couple other uh, places, maybe USL tactics, but Dev's run on that play to come across the face of the goal, you can see him pull the defender mm-hmm. out of the center of the box there, opening up that space for Sergio. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that Dev was, was trying to be involved in that play. I don't think he was like calling for the header for the ball there to be delivered to him. I think his run 
again, you know, that pulling a defender out, out of the box, his attention is drawn away. He can't see Sergio coming in behind him. And I think that's just a super underrated veteran move by Dev. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. It's a, it's a great run by Dev, but I've watched it several times and it is just terrible defense by Austin. You have three players that just don't do anything on that play. You have one that like kind of hedges between Dev and Harry and doesn't know exactly where to go. Doesn't do anything. Then you have two players that are trailing the play that just never get to the six yard box. Then you have one player that, that tries, but you see him, right? I don't, I don't remember the number. We might be able to see it in the highlight here in a minute, but he tries to make a run to, to do something, but he's got Rivas and Mondo there and he chooses Mondo and the ball falls to Rivas. So it was just kind of bad luck on his part. And, um, so it's number seven that comes running in and he sees Mondo. So he goes running there and there, there's just nothing you can do about that at that point. If you're, if you're number seven for Austin, because none of your teammates are helping you out. So it is a, it was a great goal. It was a great build up to the goal. And, and yeah, when it happened, like I told Earl, I was down there and for whatever reason, I didn't have my camera out yet. And so I was like, I think I feel something coming. So I was like, I'm going to get my camera out. So I get down there. And of course I get down there. And then that's when Harry gets the pass from Rivas. And so I pick my head up and I'm watching. So I, I complete, I didn't get any shots of it because I didn't have my camera out, but you just kind of knew as the, the match progressed that something was coming for us. It was just building and building and building. And then it finally, finally popped off with the Rivas goal and who better to score the opening match or the opening goal for the opening match at home in 575 days. It, uh, it had to be somebody from New Mexico. It had to be Rivas or Dev or Suggs or somebody. And, and it, it, to me, having it be Rivas, who's, who talked so much about coming and playing for his hometown team and, and what it meant to him. So for him to get that first goal uh, was, you couldn't really write it any better than that. Earl, what was your take on the first half here? We've talked in the previous two matches, you know, how United did not look good week one against RGV. Week two, we look, they looked better um, in terms of possession and what they, from the eye test, they looked better. Possession-wise, stat-wise, we just we seem to absolutely dominate Austin Bolt this past weekend. And I believe I tweeted out at one point that we had like something like 56 or 57% possession at the end of the first half. And we just looked that much better. Was this more of what we were doing or was Austin Bold just not that good? So I think, and it's hard to say, trying not to be a homer, but I'm going to be a homer anyways. Um, uh, so I think that we kind of rode the feeling of El Paso and drawing 1-1 at the last possible second um and we wrote that into the first home game back um austin bold obviously with it being hit their first match um there could have been some road sludge on them or some rust or whatever the heck it was um we looked incredible though like i'm looking at the at the stats now 58 percent to 42 percent i mean we 
we went on a tear and we did not let Austin get into their game. And I think that's kind of what happened for El Paso is at the end of the match, we let them kind of build some steam and get to that point to score. We didn't let that happen here with El Pat with Austin. And even when they did score, we shrugged it off and we said, let's just keep going. Let's, let's keep punching them in, which obviously three goals. I'm pretty sure I'm right, but we hadn't scored three goals in God forever. Um, maybe once last season, maybe. Um, but no, to answer your question, we, we played a clean game because of the mess that turned out to be El Paso. See, and I think I think you have to, I, as much as I want to give United all the credit in the world, and they deserve it. I mean, they, they played a hell of a game. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see what Austin looks like in two weeks after two more matches. Um, because I, th- I think they're going to be a very good team. I, th- I think they'll still challenge for that, for a playoff spot in our, our little division there, but they added a lot of new faces this year. This was their first match. It was on the road. It was in front of 9,000, almost 9,000 fans for the opposing team. So I, I don't think this is the Austin team that we're going to see the next time we face them, even the next time we face them at the lab, I think they'll be way more prepared. So kudos to United and, and just a a great match. But part of that's part of that's gotta be rust. I would think not to cut you off. um, But yeah, they played in front of 8,000 fans over 8,000 fans, but those 8,000 fans are fans that had not seen a game in over a year. So there are 8,000 hungry fans. Right, which just adds credence to my point of I th- I think they were shook for lots of reasons, including that. So um, I, I think it was a great game. Uh, I loved the offense that we saw. Um, my, my preseason team leader in goals finally got off the schneid because uh, he finally got some legit playing time. So so happy that Brian Brown scored. Um, and, and I think that, that we still have another level that we can reach. And that while we, while it looks like the, it, it looks like we played so well, or we played like incredible. I think part of that was Austin's doing. And I think we can play even better uh, as we continue to progress in the season. Yeah, there's always going to be room for improvement. And while we played exceptionally well in, in this match, I feel like the Austin keeper, Hugo Faru had just an absolutely terrible night. And, I, you know, you watch the, his play, and he came in. He was a pretty highly talented keeper, and he just did not live up to it. And you, you can only think that he's going to turn that around. And I think our, our one, like, real slip-up of the night was this clip that's playing right now. Uh, the one Austin goal right after halftime. And really, I think that just came down to the fact that uh, Torres somehow got on the end of the, the backwards pass instead of, uh, instead of Harry getting to it or someone else getting into it. And really that shot was probably a pretty low 
XG. I haven't, you know, I don't, obviously I don't have access to uh, the, the, the XG stats, but it was probably a fairly low chance shot there for that to go in. But do you put that on just a little bit of luck or is that something that we kind of like checked out on a little bit? Well, I think it's the same problem that we've seen with United, honestly, for kind of all three years is that coming out of the second half, they just don't have the energy that they do when the match first starts. It seems like we we get the first match or the first, the start of the first half, we come out, we're just super into it, super amped up, and we usually score we usually score first. That was what it felt like last year anyways. But then the second half starts and we just don't have that same intensity. And I think that was where the goal came from this, this week as well. It was, you know, 30 seconds in the whole, the second half. And we just weren't ready for that to happen right away. So, so I, I, I it's a worrying scenario in, in my head that they just can't seem to find that gear right off of that. So um, we'll, we'll see going forward. Hopefully it's something that they can then can work on and address, but it's been a few years now that, that we've seen it and it just hasn't quite, hasn't quite gotten fixed yet. So we'll see. Yeah. And Tyler makes a good point in chat here. Elliot Panico Panicho was uh, signed on loan by Austin Bold. Uh, from Nashville SC. And so there very well could be the opportunity. Hugo Ferru may not necessarily get the opportunity to play, see a whole lot of playing time, but yeah. And whoever's going to be between the sticks for, for Austin, you've got to think that they're going to improve over, over this match, whether it's Hugo, whether it's uh, Elliot, that they're going to step up their level of play. Um, and then as our as our highlight reel gets back over towards the the second half here, um, it's gonna show the Brian Brown goal again. A, a miscue from Faru here, and the ball falls to Brian, who puts I thought just an absolutely beautiful chip in. And Jacob, you talked about it, you know him. He hasn't really had that great of a preseason or a regular season so far. Do you think that this is the spark that he gets that he needs to to really get him going this year? I hope so. And I, I, I said it before, uh, I think it was in the preseason that I feel like he's a, he's a, he's a guy that needs to be out there from the opening kickoff, uh, to really get going and to really be a factor. And, um, you know, me and Tyler have had uh, a conversation that, that, uh, we, we didn't see the same thing from him in preseason. I thought he looked fantastic in preseason. Um, and, and I think he's looked, looked really good, in his limited chances so far in the regular season. Uh, so I hope since he scored, he gets, he gets a chance to start. And if he gets a chance to start, I hope he kind of capitalizes on it. And um, I, I hope it leads to a spark still. And I hope he, he can be the player that I thought he was going to be coming into the season. Um, but I'm thinking that time will tell on that. It, it won't, we won't be able to tell until he gets a, a few, a few chances, a few more chances, a few more minutes, uh, and, and we can see what he does with him. But, but yeah, this goal, it, it was a beautiful ball from Ryden. Um, he, 
we got lucky that the cold, the keeper coughed it up, but still for the keeper to cough it up and Brian to, to make that little touch just to, just to get around him and to be free. And then as Tyler said in the broadcast, there's a little shout out to Stuart Scott as cool as the other side of the pillow, uh, just chips it over. And then Tyler, Tyler mentions in the chat here, he didn't celebrate after his goal because scoring is what he does. Uh, he, he knew that the moment that keeper coughed it up, that that ball was going into the back of the net. He might not have known exactly how at that moment, but he knew if he once he got it to his feet, he was going to find the back of the net, and he did. So we need somebody that scores. We need somebody that will find the back of the net, period. And 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 I'm thinking that this gives him more opportunity, at least, to to make an impact. Do you think maybe in order to get him that playing time, we see him maybe platoon with Dev? Or do you see him being put into the 11 in place of someone else? I, I think it makes sense for him and Dev to to split the time there. Um, or like I think it was I think it was the El Paso match. I had him starting up top with Dev and then Mondo kind of dropping back a little bit, um, playing like that Weehan number 10 role. So I think there's, you know, I think coach even talked about it in the pregame or postgame presser that, that we're a very versatile club and we can throw a different, a lot of different looks out and, and a lot of different things. So, um, I, I think we can see him in a, in a variety of ways. And I think he can, can, can contribute in a variety of ways. So hopefully he, he gets that chance, whether it's up top with dev or up top for dev or, something along those lines, but he, to me, he deserves more of a chance. You can't, I I don't think you can announce his signing as a signing. That's going to break USL Twitter and then not have him get chances out there. You you announce it that way. Then you don't give him the time. Then USL Twitter is going to come down on you with the full fire and fury that it has. And USL Twitter hates us anyways. Yes, yes it does. USL Twitter absolutely hates us. Any chance that it gets to bag on us. Yeah, no, it, yeah. Like, like Tyler says, it wouldn't be surprised to see if Brown starts next match. Yeah, I, and that's the and that's the thing. We, Troy has said from from day one that he is going to play whoever he feels is the best fit for that match. So there, we may not see the same eleven week in and week out like you do with a lot of other clubs, and that makes sense for a club like ours. You've got a bunch of guys coming in. We're going to see turnover every year. We're going to see you know guys fighting for their positions and looking at the talent level on this squad, any one of these guys could start any given day. And it's just incredible to watch these guys as they play. You know, um, I know we still have our preview of Colorado to get to. So uh, as we know, again, United won three, one Earl Uh, and Jacob, I'll ask you guys one more time. What, what was your, what was your moment of the match? What was the one moment that stood out to you? as something that we can take and, and pull from going forward. That's hard. That's hard. So I think the moment of the match was Sergio scoring. I mean, he was New Mexico's Christmas gift. Um, and him scoring the first goal back kind of lit a spark under the club to score two more. Um so yeah, I think Sergio's getting the first goal in there, not pushing it out like I wanted. Because I do remember calling for like a 70 or 80th minute goal 
um, and just hearing the lab yes. erupt. Um, well, I was wrong. We got a 17th minute goal. Um, so for that, I apologize because I'm crazy, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I think, like I said, Sergio scoring that first goal and actually getting in the net is and was the turning point what the club needed to get the fire lit under them that they seem to have lacked at the end of the El Paso match. Uh, to me, the the one moment that I can take away and we can use in half of our matches going forward anyways is, is the just energy that that stadium had not only when Riva scored, but even from the opening kickoff, it just, the place was electric. It was buzzing and it's only going to knock on wood. It's only going to get louder and louder and louder as we start to fill it up more and more. And if, if it spurs this group on like it did Saturday night, whereas I think that first year, the club kind of struggled at home as weird as that sounds. They just let a lot of leads slip through there. And I felt like while they fed off of it, they also, I don't know if they didn't expect it or they just were never got used to it or what. But, but if this, if this group can come out and feed off of it the way that they did Saturday night, then we could be unstoppable at home, which typically if you're, fantastic at home you're going to be a top four or five team in the league uh as long as you're not just absolutely atrocious on the road and i don't think we will be because we have 16 games uh on the road last year under our belt so so i think they'll handle the road just fine and i think we could be incredible at home and if that's the case then winning the group is is a foregone conclusion in my head. For me, it's not just a single moment. It's watching the build-up and play for each of the three goals. We had three very different players score, uh, score th- through the match, and I think it shows the depth that we have this year, that we're going to have lots of guys that can score goals in lots of different ways. You know, we saw Brian with the chip, you know, taking advantage of a mistake. We saw Sergio and Amando scoring. I don't think, I don't think we've ever had a match in our history where we've had two headers scored. I could be wrong on that, but I can't remember a match where we had two headers. No, uh, go in. According to somebody on Facebook, that was the first time that United has scored two headed goals in a match. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was or not. I but, think it was know, Alex Mansfield, but I'm not okay. sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I just I haven't had a chance to go back and look through all of them uh, as deeply as I as I would like. But yeah, so we've got attacking options. We've got a deadly cross coming in. We've got Brucey. We've got Harry that can both deliver it in. It's going to be a lot of fun to see this team as they progress throughout the season and see what happens. You know, if, can we keep that momentum? Can we continue to outperform? on the road can we continue to perform here at home and there's a lot of positives to take away from this match and i cannot wait to watch the match this weekend against colorado springs which is uh i think where our conversation is going to go next um 
So that, of course, is our, our recap of the Austin Bowl match on Saturday night. Um, looking ahead, Colorado Springs switchbacks, they are coming off of a 3-0 win. Four over 4-0 win, that's right, over SKC2. Um, I haven't watched this match yet, but they've got a lot of new faces coming in uh, into Colorado Springs this year. Some of the guys that we, that we were looking at last year in our numerous previews are no longer there. Uh, they do have Haji Berry, though, this year. Uh, we saw him in the preseason match. He looked good then. He he has looked good so far in the season for them. Uh, what are you guys expecting this weekend against Colorado Springs? Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, it's going to be their brand new stadium opening up. Um, and, and I watched most of that 4-0 win against SKC2 in and they look tough, man. I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park like it has been for us over there several times lately. Um, that Haji Berry is no joke, man. He he had a goal that had a an incredible first touch, um, and and I, I think he's going to be really, really, really good and really tough for our back line. It's going to be a good test for for Kalen and the guys back there but all in all if you look at the history with Colorado Springs and and just kind of how we've owned that's that that town and that state for the most part uh I have a hard time thinking we're gonna lose um but I could I could definitely see a draw that's that's not my final prediction but but I think it's gonna be tougher than than some fans that don't pay attention to the offseason and to other teams moves I think they might think, oh, we're, it's Colorado Springs. We're just going to go walk all over them like we tend to. So it, it it's going to be an interesting game. I'm looking forward to it. It's Friday night uh, instead of Saturday. So so I get to, to watch it Friday and then have have a weekend to do stuff at home and and probably rewatch it Saturday uh, if I'm if I'm not lying to myself. And and so it, it's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, of course, Tyler in the chat uh, providing us with some more stats here from the last Colorado match. And yes, Colorado had three goals inside of 39 minutes, two of which were pins. And SKC did go down to 10 men as well um, around the 39th minute. Looks like that was a very pretty contentious match. There are a lot of yellow cards. And yeah, uh, you, you mentioned it, Jacob, you know, Colorado Springs had brought in a lot of new faces. They actually looked better towards the end of last season than they did early on. And I think we saw that in some of the results towards the end of the year. Now, of course, they, they didn't really compete for a playoff spot, but they did improve. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the coaching changes that they made, the personnel changes that they've made. Earl, what do you, who do you see as being an, uh, <laughs> who do you see as being a, an issue for us to defend against? And do you think, this may be a match where we see Troy move away from the three, five, two, or do, do we stick with it? I actually don't know. Uh, who do we defend? I don't really know because I, I, I Earl doesn't pay attention to that, that too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I really don't know who to look out for in, in Colorado Springs. Um, but either, even at that, I don't think Troy moves away from three five two or 
whatever variant of the three five two he went with the past couple weeks. Um just because that's kind of his bread and butter at this point. I was trying to pull up the highlights on my laptop here so I could take a look at these um, from the Colorado match. But yeah, I yeah. think Colorado has made a lot of moves in the last, you know, 12, 18 months. In terms you know, of I had them, again. I had them last year as a team that I thought was going to compete. Um, and they, they just didn't show up last year, but, but this year I know a lot of people, um, I, I don't remember which one it is, but there is a gentleman from, uh, um, the USL show who's really high on them. Um, I believe it's Evan, but I'm not sure. And, uh, I can see why they are, they have, they have a completely retooled roster and brought in a lot of talented Jimmy Ockford as a defender there, who, who's one of the better defenders in the league. And then we mentioned Haji Berry, um, Austin doing played for them last year. And I thought was really good and got more playing time as the season progressed there. So, so I, I think that uh, I, there's no way we change from the three, five, two Tyler's over here in the chat, uh, talking about it. And, and the one thing that he, he said that, that I think is it's going to come down to how good Yearwood is in this match. Um, and, and he's been USL best 11 good in my head, uh, for these first three matches. And if he can continue that, then, then our defense will be solid enough where we don't have to to worry about Hajiberry. But if anybody makes one little mistake, um, Barry will punish us. So, so I'm really looking forward to that matchup between Ryden and Yearwood and Barry, um, and hopefully shutting him down. And and while while we do that, we can't just focus on him because they've got some other names over there that that can do stuff. So. I, I think that with what I've seen so far, it's it's hard not to put RGV up there with what they've done. But I I think I think my four are going to be New Mexico, San Antonio, El Paso, and Colorado. But uh, yeah, and and Ortega, Tyler Ortega, with a hot take here. Yearwood has been our best defender this season. Uh, sorry, Kalen, he says, which I don't blame him. I, I, I he. Tyler nailed it because Kalen had a very sorry first game and, and, uh, yearwood has been absolutely spectacular. So see, I'm agreeing with Tyler there and, and I can't wait to, to see how yearwood progresses. I remember watching him in year one, match one, uh, the first half of the match, he was on my side where we were defending the goal by the curse. And, and I remember watching him going, I don't know damn thing about soccer but this guy is legit and then he got hurt and struggled coming back and i was like well i thought maybe i don't know much about soccer after after all but then year two and year three so far he has been lights out and i and i love seeing it and i'm so happy for him uh and, and i know that he puts in the work to to become that good so kudos to him and, and i hope he gets I remember last year, I think he got some some uh, Team of the Week honors, if I'm not mistaken, there towards the end. So I, I've been upset that he hasn't been in the Team of the Week so far this season. Uh, but if he keeps playing like this, he'll get there and he'll he'll be mentioned amongst the greats back there on the back line. Yeah, Austin's had a fantastic few matches so far this season. 
I, I felt like he was our player of the match for weeks, uh, match weeks two and three, you know, our first two matches of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to really say anything other than that. I mean, Austin has made some just tremendous plays that there are a lot of other, you know, center backs in the league that they're not going to be able to make in terms of, uh, in terms of, in terms of his speed and physicality that he, that he puts out there. And Tyler, I don't think anyone's going to really disagree with you there. I mean, Kalen ha- did not necessarily look great in the first match, uh, even a little bit into the second match. Um, he, he had some mistakes, you know, he has, uh, I think he had two deflections result in two goals. Um, and in those within those first two matches. So it, it's tough to say, I mean, Kalen's a fantastic defender. He is, it just, you know, I think he's been outshone by, by Austin so far this year. And, and Jacob, to your point about Colorado Springs, you know, yeah, they're going to be tough. You know, they were tough towards the end of last year. They're they're tough so far this year. And I think looking at their roster and what they've done so far, I think some of that goes to the Colorado Rapids management as well, that they're not quite as hands in the pot. You know, they're not really stirring things up as much as we see other clubs do. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, um, LAFC is making huge huge changes to the lights. We've seen massive loans right before their first, uh, before the last two matches. You know, we saw that with Houston Dynamo in the past, but I think Rapids do a pretty good job of allowing switchbacks to get in and just develop their players, which I think benefits these MLS two squads more than anything else. Earl, do you think there's, there's something to that, to the MLS squad staying hands off? Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, one is good for the club because like you said it allows them to develop their their talent um and two it is good for the league because you're not bringing top level mls players for an example carlos vela i can only imagine if carlos vela were to come down to usl and would could only hope that he'd land on on new mexico united i doubt that would happen but he would just tear the league apart um, there's one person I would not mind hit seeing him score on about 18 times, and that is Logan Kettlecorn. Nope. Yeah, but he's up in the MLS. Yeah, now. but he hasn't faced Carlos Vela yet. <laughs> well, if the first few weeks of MLS are any indication, Carlos Vela is not going to be doing much. So, I think that's, he's that's the second Jacob. half of the podcast conversation that we need to have. <laughs> we yeah we can talk about that later if you want but yeah i'm excited for the, for this weekend's match um again we don't know too much about colorado springs outside of what we saw down at mesa del sol jacob you and i had a better opportunity to, to, to kind of gauge that um before we close out our the first half of our of our show this week uh let's get our score predictions around the horn jacob let's start with you this week oh man um I want to go with what I always, what I've gone with most of the time this season, but I'm just not going to be able to do that. Um, and, and I think until we get a clean sheet, I can't predict a clean sheet anymore. So, so I will say two to one with Brian getting another one, and let's go cello getting one. All right, Earl. I think we run it back again and get three one. I think I think right. Mondo gets a second. Uh, I think Sergio will get a second, and 
Would love to see Swartz or Tanari get something in there, but I don't think that would happen. The third one just comes out of the blue. I think Swartz more than than Tanari, but um, yeah, it'd be great to see a couple more guys open their accounts. I'd love to see you know Brian or, or you know Dev or you know someone continue the the streak that they've been on and and just continue to produce, make good plays, and that's the big thing. I think I think three one on the road might be pushing it a little bit. Um, I think we get the clean sheet here. I think we do. I think our our defense is playing better. You see the guys tracking back better. You see them making smarter plays uh, in the defensive third. Uh, so I think 2-0. I think we get the 2-0 on the road, and we come back home to face Loudon United on a two-match win streak. Yeah, not to, not to look too far ahead, guys, but um, I was looking at the schedule, and Colorado... Loudon, Monarchs, Bold. Those four games coming up, along with the Austin game that we just had, I I would not be surprised if we were on a five-game win streak as we went to San Antonio on Wednesday. Sorry, that's here. As San Antonio came here Wednesday, this June 16th. So... I, I think a month from now we could be on a very very hot streak. Not a hundred percent sure. Uh, there's going to be some tougher matches in there. Like I said, this Colorado one isn't necessarily a walk in the park, but um, and we we talked to to Adam Davis from Two Loud Adams about the Loudon match. I I think that one goes our way. Uh, the Monarchs don't look great right now. I think that can go our way. So, and then we've already beat Austin once. So I at home and I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if it happens again. So, yeah, we have a chance to to really make some noise here with this stretch of the schedule. And and I'm looking forward to it. And it starts Friday night in Colorado Springs for their season op- or their home opener, their stadium opener. Uh, there's going to be emotion there. Sure. But I don't think there's going to be eight thousand six hundred forty seven fans that haven't seen a home game in 575 days in motion. So I think we'll be able to handle it as a team and, and can come out with that W. All right. So I think that's going to do it for our New Mexico United show this week. Uh, everyone in, in, in the chat here on YouTube, please stick around. We are going to continue here in just a few minutes with our sports discussion. We're going to get touched on some NFL and some other things, but uh, in the meantime, Jacob, get us out of here for this episode. Yeah, guys, thanks for for joining us here in the chat, Tyler. Um, we didn't get our normal comments from Aaron Reader, but uh, I, I'm sure he'll listen at some point. And um, yeah, just just like and subscribe to Somos Moss on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, Twitter. We're, we're out there all over the place. We, we try to do the best we can. We are just three guys, uh, two of which are dads, and one is a fur baby dad. Um, I think that's what he calls himself. I'm not sure. Uh, and and so we, we can't always do exactly what we want, but we are here every Tuesday night at 930 to bring you United coverage and then talk a little sports afterwards. So, so keep coming back. Tell your friends. Uh, rate and review on... Apple Podcasts and everything else like that. You guys know the drill. Uh, I repeat myself too much on this show as is. So, um, 
Friday night. I believe it is at 7.30. I don't have the time in front of me. But uh, watch United play Colorado Springs. Hopefully come away with three points there. And we'll talk about it. We probably won't do the hot takes uh, like we did uh, or extra time like we did after the home match. But but we'll definitely have a breakdown next Tuesday. And then looking forward to the Loudon game, which we have a little little special gift for you at the end of that episode next week, guys. So until next time, Somos Unidos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.